What's up, guys? It's Joe. Um, sorry this audio quality is bad. I'm just recording this straight into my computer as I'm about to upload this special podcast. I got to talk to Sebi Salazar today, uh, reporter, presenter for ESPN. Um, had a great conversation with him. I was originally thinking about doing it as a Q&A for Dirty South Soccer, but, you know, the conversation was just so great and rich that I thought, you know, best to just put it right out there for you guys. So um, I apologize for the uh, background noise. We were just doing it in a, in a hotel lobby. Um, so there's some background noise, but I, I think you guys should be able to hear, and I think you guys will really enjoy um, his perspective, what he had to say. We touched on a bunch of subjects from the Atlanta United fan base to Miguel Almiron to Joseph Martinez to covering, you know, Atlanta um, as, as with a, with a, a, a club that has a very, very much a Latin American flavor to it. Uh, just a really good conversation. I think you guys will enjoy it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sebastian Salazar from ESPN. Today looking for guards at back side. How's your trip been? How's, how's Atlanta been? Good. You know, um, I'm getting pretty, like, accustomed to it now. I've just been here for Red Bull first leg, New York City second leg. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so I think this is my third trip in the last month and fourth trip all year. I was here for the second game of the season okay. uh, against D.C. United. Yeah. So that that weird week right after they got shelled by Houston, right? Well, everyone was like, "What?" Right. And, um, so it, it's been cool, you know. I kind of seen Atlanta at like the beginning and really at like their worst, and then also kind of at their pump, you know, at their right. best. So uh, so I've enjoyed it, and then also I think like the other most notable part about Atlanta for me, and it's something that we always talk about when we go on these broadcasts to different cities. You kind of like measure the team's status in the city, how successful they've been penetrating the market by the, the interactions you have. Mm-hmm. And it's really overwhelming here. And I appreciate that we're in, a, we're in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the team is red hot. And, and this may not be how it always is all throughout the season. But you don't get in an Uber. You don't get in a lift without the guy who's driving it, the girl who's driving it, knowing what's going on. And, you know, maybe they can't name a player on the Atlanta United team, but they know about Atlanta United. know they're playing for a championship. Um, some of them do know a player or two on the team. And, you know, just to be blunt, that kind of black and white measuring stick, mm-hmm. usually it turns out on a negative, like in most of the cities we go to. Most people don't know why we're there, what's going on. Well, that, yeah. Uh, and so that's, I think that's, that's for me what, like, I see is, like, every car you get in, like, every interaction you have, like, at least people know what's up. Right. And that MLS can't claim that in most markets that it's in. And I don't think there's another market that can claim, like, the penetration. It's very unscientific the way we do it, right? right of course. But yeah, I, yeah. Just, there's no other well, market that, that can, that, where there's as many people that know what's going on this year. And that's why I kind of want to talk to you about it, because I, it's, it's hard for us to gauge it in Atlanta. Right. You know, like, we're in the forest, and yeah. we can't see the forest from yeah. the trees sometimes as to, you know, mm-hmm. where we stand. Um, and so, yeah, and that, and that I guess 
what is it like in other cities? I, I, what, I like, is it? Uh, I mean, I just like, I'll look at it. And again, you know, I think everything that I've seen, you have to take at least what I'm envisioning now are the last two visits and then this visit, which is MLS Cup, where we have tons of international media on top of the domestic media. Um, so maybe it's a little bit inflated. Maybe this is not, again, the day-to-day reality that I see through the regular season when I'm in, you know, any of the other markets. Um, but, you know, the, the very clear differences are the cameras you see at practice, like the local media that's consistently there. Um, I can tell you specifically, like, I'm, I'm from D.C., that's where I know. They got a big spike when, like, Rooney showed up, and there was a lot of, uh, like, a lot of kind of new media. Um, but for the longest time, it's been, like, the same two or three beat writers at practice, and that's, like, pretty much it. Um, and, and then, furthermore, you know, Atlanta is not a small market. I think, like, even we have to differentiate in MLS, right? I live in D.C. It's a major media market, which means there's a lot of people that you can engage, but also means there's a lot of other things you've got to compete against. And I'd imagine, I don't know the city of Atlanta as well as I know Washington, um, but I'd imagine there, that competition is just as real here. And yet, so to, so to see the media still carving out time during what's a super busy time of year, UGA football, Atlanta Falcons, everything else is going on, you know, Hawks launching their season. Um, as all that stuff is going around, to see Atlanta United not just get a sliver of the pie, but, you know, a significant chunk, um, really, to me, is, is just so unique in MLS. You don't see the type of consistent attention, buzz, local media coverage, uh, I would say, in, in almost any other market. You, yeah. ju- you just don't see it. Uh, I, I think I've seen it in, in places like Kansas City. I was really impressed with that kind of their local media turnout last week when we were there. Um, you see it in places like Portland, Seattle. Uh, but outside of that, you know, I really feel like um, the consistent coverage of the team here uh, is on a level that that really doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah, I know I say anywhere else people are going to get mad, but I, it's kind of the truth. Yeah, it's the truth. It's funny. I was talking to Mark Fishkin about it. He's a guy with yeah, yeah. and. Um, you know, he, he's had this complaint, this gripe on for years, I think, which is just about the media attention that Rebels get. You know, they're one of the best teams in MLS in terms of mm-hmm. the way they're run. You know, they're, they're, the academy that they've established, how competitive they are on the field. You know, they're, they're competing for championships basically every year, mm-hmm. and they still can't get reporters out there because of what you said, because of the competition that they're going mm-hmm. against. And in New York, it's a little different because you have basically two teams in yeah. every sport. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more there for them. Sports departments only have X amount of cameras. Everything, every, you know, local news is, you know, seeing its budget slash. I mean, it's tough decisions that have to get made. So when an MLS team ends up being the choice, um, it really says something. Like, I can't overstate having worked in a newsroom in a regional sports network where we did everything. You know, we covered NFL, NBA, NHL, um, MLB a little bit because it wasn't on our air as much. Um, but MLS, we were a team. We were a broadcast partner. I still had to fight every day to try and get it you know, once a week to try and get a camera out. Um, those are the types of internal battles that are happening, and, and those battles are always won by the other leagues. And here it doesn't seem that way. Yeah, yeah. I cut you off, but yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that's a good point. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about Lenny United, and kind of, I think it's been a bit of a revolution. I think I don't. I always get worried about like getting too gro- having too much gravitas when I talk about Lenny United, because I feel like some fans or some some people around the league. Um, would push back on the notion that it's Atlanta United revolutionizing the yeah. league and that, and that kind of thing. But I think, like, with your coverage, especially of the South American flavor of this team, um, I think it's kind of brought out a whole new perspective on sports in general. Um, 
around the team. I'm just kind of wondering, like, what's been your opinion as as a as a media, you know, guy in media, but especially one that you know has a Latin American background. Um, I'm not even. I'm not sure what your name. My mother's from Mexico. My okay. dad's from uh, Buffalo, New York. Yeah. So, okay. so um, but yeah, you're bilingual. Obviously, you've done a great job of that. Just, what's been your perspective on on the way Atlanta has kind of built its team with this kind of flavor? Well, the thing that first jumped out to me from a personnel standpoint, uh, when we talk about revolutionizing, like people see, they say 70,000 fans, revolutionary. Um, And there is something about that that's revolutionary. To me, the far more important revolution was making your first big move, Miguel Almiron. We have never seen, and you know, I mean, before he gets here, had been linked. And you know, a link is nothing more than an agent saying something about taking with a grain of salt. But this guy had been linked already with Arsenal, some other, you know, significant clubs, and, and certainly European interest. MLS had never gone into South America and beaten Europe to a kid. Now, maybe Europe wasn't that hot on Miguel at the time, but the idea that instead of bringing in a known quantity, and paying for that person's past, we're going to go down and get in the future. And that, to me, is the revolution of MLS, because now we're going to see that. Now we're going to see MLS say, oh, for 15, 20 million, I can spend it on this guy who might sell a few more, you know, might sell some jerseys, might sell, might get some ratings, might move some tickets, but may not make our team better in a long-term sense. Okay, I mean, he's only been here two years, maybe he moves on. Two years is still in some way, like, long-term in the sports world. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was a, and it's classic, like, Arthur Blank, the more you hear about him. It's long-term over short-term. Um, and why does that happen? Well, because they had 30,000 season tickets sold before they had a player. So, if you had... 10,000 season tickets sold, maybe you have to go out and you get an Andres Guardado, whatever right. they were linked to, because you got to move tickets. Mm-hmm. But Atlanta responded in such a way to this project that it, I think, allowed Blank and then the people under him to say, oh, instead of spending our bullet to, to sell tickets and to sell jerseys, let's spend our bullet to make our team freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they did. And I mean, it could have been a flop, but right. it wasn't. Right. Uh, and so I think that, to me, when we say revolution, you know, I don't know how long 70K can last. Maybe it'll last forever. Maybe it won't. But to me, the idea of, oh, my first big player isn't going to be a name. We don't need that anymore. We don't need, we don't desperate for that. We have our own fans. It's cool. We just need to focus on the product on the field. And I'll tell you what. I can't tell you how many times when I'm in these, especially the last two weeks, I talk to the people on the sidelines there. You know the folks in the, in the luxury seats. And I run across people who don't know Stalker. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like, even I'm like I, I, what's your story? Came to a game last year, and just like, it was intense. It was awesome. Like, they scored goals. It was fun. It was loud. And I was into it. And most of the, of the oh, why I got hooked was maybe off the field. But there's always one line about, yeah, it's so much fun to watch. Yeah. And that's me. Dude, you don't have to know anything about soccer. You watch me get out of me, don't play. You're like, oh, uh, that guy's... I, that thing's different. Like it's like watching Reggie Bush when he was at USC mm-hmm. or Barry Sanders. Like you don't have to know anything about those sports. Just right. be like, oh my God, that that thing is different than all the other things. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. And I think you know that's that. They went out. They took a risk. 
it was a calculated risk based on you know tickets that had already been sold, mm-hmm. and it paid off. And I think everybody else around MLS now, every time you go out and you think about bringing in the aging DP, you at least have to think about it. What's best for the for my is what's really best for me to sell a few more shirts and tickets, or just have the best damn team on the field. And that's what they have. And I, and I think blank kind of struck gold in a way because. We've talked about Almiron, but I think, you know, we t- let's talk about Joseph Martinez. Okay. He's a guy who came in, um, you know, not a lot of fanfare around mm-hmm. him. I didn't know who he was sure. when he came. He was a backup player yeah. in, on, 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 on a mid-table, mid-table yeah. Serie A team. Um, but he comes in, he starts lighting up the league, and then Pete, now he's an icon in yeah. the city. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't think that Arthur Blank and Darren Eels probably knew, you know, yeah. the, 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 the person that he was in terms of the gravitas that yeah. he kind of has, you know, the bravado. He's cool. He's, he's, so, cool. So, he's so cool. He's so cool. Yeah. Uh, the shaved eyebrows and all yeah. that stuff. Johnny Cash for the MVP. But, yeah. I think, but I think it's interesting how now you have a guy like in Joseph Martinez who is selling tickets. He's, his jersey is selling. Yeah. His, you know, he's putting butts in seats similar to a way that a Rooney or a Zlatan Ibrahim but is he or is he doing it because of of every like is he the cherry on the top of the Sunday and I think that it kind of works in tandem like that you know if if he was the marquee signing and you surround him with middle tier MLS talent and he never develops and blossoms the way he has probably doesn't have it you know he probably hurts that in fact we saw him the first year fans did get on his back a little bit about you know being offside or, or whatever um, so I think that it's really interesting that people have actually um, come to see him as an icon, even though he's not an English speaker. You know, he's not out kind of yeah. doing those types of things that you would assume equates to stardom in most sports, like doing commercials yeah. and, and, and those types of things. So I just find that really fascinating I mean, look, uh, I always say when you have kids who are playing, like, teach them to be a forward because the forwards get all the glory and, and the goals and they get paid the most. Um, I think I think there's two things. One, Joseph is um, a unique package, right? Like, he is, he just oozes cool. And when you ooze cool and you hit home runs or you score goals or whatever, like, people are going to be attracted to you. Um, on top of that, like, I, I think there's, it's different from Anmidon. It's not as obvious. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a urgency to the way Joseph plays that is is attractive to the eye, that you notice, that you're like, damn, this dude looks like he's like trying to score to like, you know, pay his bills. Yeah, right. And um, and I dig that about Joseph. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why he scores 30-plus goals, because um, I think that dude like lives and dies with goals. I mean, he broke his nose on a, on a back post yep. setter against Columbus yep. this year, you know, and he probably knew the impact was coming. He, yep, and I think, I think, you know, that's something as well that you don't have to be a long-time culture soccer fan to appreciate, right? Like, we talk about, I think there's a lot of intense Atlanta United fans who are actually more casual soccer fans, but, and that's actually better. Here's why. Because all these people who are the Euro snobs, and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, um, Every time you watch an MLS game for those people, it's like, oh, man, I love Joseph Martinez. Oh, but he's not Lukaku mm-hmm. or whatever, okay? But if you don't know Lukaku, if you don't care as much about the who Manchester United's forward is or Real Madrid's forward is or Barcelona's forward is, you just appreciate it. He's your guy. He's yeah, your guy, yeah. and he's, he's the best you've ever seen. Right. And so I think um, in some way maybe um, the fact, and it's a credit to the organization, but the fact that really the base seems to be more, almost more, Casual soccer. I'm not saying yeah. they're casual Atlanta United fans. Right, right. They're more casual soccer fans. Yes. Makes them more appreciative and less kind of uh, 
callous yeah. to what quality is. Because anybody you know who does football will say, man, Joseph is, Martinez is great. Okay, but maybe he's not Cristiano Ronaldo. But if you don't care that much about Cristiano Ronaldo, and you don't have to to be a real soccer fan, like this idea that like you have to... Dude, soccer is tribal. You guys know that around here. You know, there's nothing more tribal than SEC football. Yeah. Maybe that's why it works here, right? Because yeah, you guys yeah. are accustomed to like tribal things. So, you know, I, I see a... a, a a guy like that in a market like this, uh, and it, it makes sense for a lot of reasons. You know, I think so much of Major League Soccer's battle um, in terms of converting the hardcore American or American-based soccer fan is trying to convince them that, that M- what MLS is or isn't or what level it is or isn't. And sometimes we criticize the league for, like, pumping itself up too much. Like, hey, we, just, we love you. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to sell it so much. Um, but to an, to an audience like Atlanta, and don't want to come across saying like it's not a sophisticated soccer audience, but I'm just my personal experience in the stadium has been I run into a lot of people who themselves do not describe themselves as um, diehard, sophisticated international soccer fans, but they are diehard, sophisticated Atlanta United fans. And yeah. that, I mean, like that's that you know in a, in a country where every game from every country is available to us. Yeah. You know, Atlanta United is not just cutting through the noise of the Atlanta sports market. Um, to the Atlanta soccer fan or the potential Atlanta soccer fan, they're also cutting through the noise of the international soccer market that's available to everybody now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, you know, the wins are, are multifaceted. You know, the, the ways in which the success has come are, are really, you know, you can applaud on one front, but there's another front where you have to really kind of tip your cap and say, wow, like, there's no way you can measure this thing and it's not just a success like Overwhelming, unprecedented, mind-boggling. Yeah, I think I think you make a good point in that the Atlanta market was kind of untainted by mm-hmm. by the pre preconceived notions of what soccer is. Or yeah. whatever, you know, it wasn't like a strong. I mean, there were soccer fans here, but um, it wasn't like a super strong subculture like it is in some places. And I I actually wrote a column that went that I ran earlier this week, and I kind of said that like. Atlanta United fans or Atlanta fans didn't fall in love with soccer yeah. as much as they fell in love with Atlanta United. Yeah. And then through Atlanta United, they right. kind of fell in love with soccer. Yeah. And now they're starting to break in and become more of a soccer market. Yeah. And and it's right like in we talk about it like the Atlanta United, you know, who was it? Well, big boy was you know driving yeah. on the gold spike. I mean, uh, I guess I guess I could say in Kansas City they had Patrick Mahomes doing like the I believe chant you know before, but. Uh, that seems to be a, a kind of re- semi-regular, regular occurrence. Okay, who do we have? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not super uh, up on the rappers. We had another rapper. Oh, spike, it's been... No, no, but we had another rapper uh, on, on the All-Star game. Uh, um, was it... There's been 2 chains. T.I.'s been there. I don't know. I don't there's know. Been so, there's somebody so that's many. big. Somebody yeah, yeah, big. Yeah. You know, I have the so lame. I don't know who it was. <laughs> they were on our show, too. Uh, but, but, you know... Um, it's very clear. There's, you know, one credit to the organization for for making the connections with those guys, bringing them in, and, and and making them feel a part of it. If Atlanta United was lame, those dudes wouldn't show up. Mm-hmm. Like, so it also yeah. speaks to the fact that Atlanta United is is penetrating the market in a way that like Two Chains or Big Boy know what it is, and and when that call comes, they're like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. And and that I think is another, you know. That the folks running this team really seem to understand Atlanta, who you need to associate with, what, who you need to partner with, the links, the connections that you need to make. Uh, it is cool. Atlanta United is is unquestionably cool. Uh, it's authentically cool, and I think a lot of MLS and a lot of MLS teams are trying for that, mm-hmm. and they're making earnest efforts. Mm-hmm. But you can still tell they're trying to be cool. Uh, Atlanta United is cool. There's definitely a big... The new kid that shows up at school who's from California 
with gray hair, and it's just he's just cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why you're cool, but you're, just, you're cool, man. Yeah, and everyone knows it. And yeah. everyone knows it. Uh, there's definitely a big business story to be told around this mm-hmm. team about how that they how they've approached it and how they've kind right. of I think the the discovery process that they went through to you know learn all these these little. May, may sound insignificant on the surface, but they turn out to be like very fundamental aspects of the city and the market um, that has kind of allowed them to uh, to really like push forward with their with their business strategy. But I want to—I'll let you go here. No, I thank you for taking the time. time. But I wanted to ask you one more thing, just about um, about Joseph's ceremony and just kind of. Mm. What that was like for you to be able to do that mm-hmm. personally, you know, yeah. as, as a young professional in your career, but then also, you know, just kind of what you observed from Joseph during that day. Well, so I think just to kind of get me out of the way, um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm young-ish, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm kind of of the generation that grew up with MLS. So MLS launched, I was like 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were season ticket holders in '96 for DC United, have been pretty much ever since. So, for me, that moment was like something that I could legitimately say, and I don't know, you know, I don't know everybody else who's hosted that, but I could legitimately say that, like, being an MLS MVP was like a dream of mine. It was something that, like, I, as a player, when I was younger, and and, ho- and dreaming and hoping of, a, of playing professional soccer, you know, MLS was my league, so MLS MVP, like, meant something. And so to be thought of and invited, um, to present, you know, to, to kind of help present that award was really cool. Like, I, I can sit back and be like, wow, there's not a lot of moments where, like, you can say, maybe it didn't work out that I was MLS MVP, mm-hmm. but damn, I got close, you know? <laughs> yeah. I got you got about as close as anybody could. I got to hand the thing out. So, um, <laughs> personally, I, you know, I was very flattered um, and and to do it. And then, you know, there's a confluence of event. One, it's Joseph, who I've kind of, you know, gotten to know over the last couple of weeks and really uh, enjoyed uh, that process, so, so that's exciting. Also, it's Joseph in Atlanta uh, in the build-up to MLS Cup. So it was, you know, a, a very um, it was a perfect confluence of events, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a lot of ways that, that led me to, to doing that. And I, and I, but I, you know, I've told people this, and I maybe I've told you this already, is that for me, uh, the most rewarding part of the day was not on stage. It was the time, you know, maybe a half hour before we started where we're in one of the beautiful side rooms there at, at Arthur Blank's offices, and it's just Joseph, the family, uh, the agents, and me. And, uh, you know, I really I spent some really good time with his grandparents, just mm. talking to them, hearing their stories, um, you know, what this moment meant to them. And you just don't get that access to people, you know, and I don't, I don't care. I don't give a crap about a stat. I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was like, oh my God, straight into my veins. This is, <laughs> I'm talking to Joseph Martinez's grandparents. I'd rather talk to them than him almost. You know, I, yeah, I, I'm yeah. getting stuff here. I, I'm getting context on who Joseph is that to me is, as a storyteller is priceless. Yeah. I mean, they're wonderful people. So, so giving and warm and... Um, and players often don't like to talk about themselves so much. Yeah. So I think like talking to somebody who's close to them, exactly. you know, they, give, they can give you better... So, so that was, you know, that was, that was really rewarding and cool. And then, you know, the other thing that I, I would share about that time is, you know, and I... I don't think I'm betraying any confidence because I think he said it, you know, on the stage. It's just how nervous Joseph was. Yeah. Um, this is a guy who, as we said, oozes freaking cool, mm-hmm. and he's nervous. And I don't get to see that from these guys. These guys, they put on their masks, they put on their warrior helmets, uh, and it's not just when they're on the field, man. A lot of times they're practice is when they're dealing with the media. They they are, and I saw a real human 
moment of a guy who was nervous. And I'm talking about everybody else is in that room running around, having a good time. Not having, you know, talking, mm-hmm. chatting. Um, little girl's in there. She's running around. like, you know, And he's sitting by himself um, on the couch, just kind of in the zone, focused, almost stiff from the nerves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and to me, it looked like he was almost like thinking in his head, like mouthing, you know, practicing what he was going to say. So nervous to speak in English mm-hmm. uh, in, in that setting because you talk to students yeah. they're like oh just right. right. all done yeah, 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 yeah. but it's different and as somebody who works in both languages I can like I just totally appreciate it like I I do a lot of stuff for the fortis but most of it is on tape Spanish is, um, my, was my first language as a kid mm-hmm. but English has since passed it mm-hmm. and so you know my, anytime I'm in home with my mom my mother will correct me and like I say the wrong word and so when you go on TV and you have a camera in front of you you have this pressure to be perfect mm-hmm. um, and I appreciate that Joseph was not was like I have to be perfect and he was so nervous and I think what that gives you like a window into is one how difficult it must be how difficult it must be like and so many of us here, like, my mother is an immigrant, a late, late, later in life immigrant. So I've heard the stories of what it's like. But if people don't know an immigrant, like, go talk to an immigrant and know what it's like to, like, go to another country, learn a language, learn a culture, and try to survive. Now, yeah. Joseph is in a blessed place, right? Right. Um, there, are, there are certain concerns that certain immigrants might have here that Joseph doesn't. Um, Well-earned, by the way. He doesn't have it because yep. he's earned it. Yeah, yeah. With, with his quality and his talent. But... It is really hard. And even most immigrants aren't asked to go up and speak on television and in a foreign language. And here's this guy who, like, honestly, he could have all that stuff off, right? Like, he could be like, bro, I score goals. I don't care about English. <laughs> right, right. I don't, I don't care about the this. English media. I don't care. Like, I score goals. Mm-hmm. When I stop scoring goals, then you come complain to me. I score goals. You're going to cut me? You're going to take me? It's not that going to take me out because I, I don't speak I'm not trying to learn English. Despite all that, he's made the effort. Not just to connect with his teammates, to connect with his community, and to connect with, with, you know, like, the country that he's in, the culture that he's in. So one, like, bravo, like, good for you for even learning the language. And then to have the courage to stand up on stage and, you know, no, no notes, mm-hmm. no reading. Like, you give me notes in Spanish, I, I read, like, the King of Spain. <laughs> and he would probably sound like the King, Queen of England if he, you know, had it there. Yeah, but it's yeah. different, dude. Yeah. When you're talking off the top of your head, it's not yeah. that easy. You get caught searching for words and translating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he nailed it. And it was authentic. And it was real. It was, like, a beautiful moment. And I, I just, I was, like, so impressed with him. But also, like... He was both knocked down a level yeah. because he was humanized, yeah. and then he was shot up another two levels when he did that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, I, I'm just I'm blown away, and I know being in a newsroom, the difference between somebody comes in with a 30-second sound on tape that's in Spanish, we got to find somebody to translate, we got to get an editor to do graphics, to subtitles, bop, 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 oh, for the 6 o'clock news, not going to make it. Joseph's speech, bam, in, out, edit, into the show. Mm-hmm. And... So much of media, especially like local news, just having worked on it, not knocking it, is eased, right? Like, what's, what makes most sense? What can we get in the show? Right. Um, and I don't know if he really recognizes that. We've kind of talked about it a little bit. But it makes such a difference. And, like, you talk about how cool he is. Well, a whole bunch of Atlanta's got to see that soundbite, I hope. I hope it was run on local news, and, and I hope it, it, that people saw it. And I hope they said... Oh damn! Yeah, that's our guy. Yeah, not only is he our guy in our jersey, not only our guy because he scores goals, 
but he's our guy because he came here and he learned our language and then put himself out there to speak to us, mm-hmm. right? He's not talking to Univision only. He's not talking to ESPN Deportes only. He's talking to me, the guy in Marietta or wherever, uh, you know, wherever, who might not speak Spanish. Look, this guy didn't meet you halfway. He came 99.9. He came yeah, to your yeah. door, right? He came yeah. all the way across the world. He learned your language, and now he's speaking in public. So, I mean, I just... You know, I, the reality is I don't know Joseph Martinez. He could be the right. worst guy in the world. He could be the best guy in the world. But damn, if I didn't walk out of that thing yesterday or Wednesday, just, like, happy. And, and <laughs> yeah. happy to see just a wonderful, at the end of the day, immigrant success story. See a guy who, who gets it and got enough to put himself out there. And then a community that seems to love him. Yeah. Like, that really, genuinely seems to embrace this guy for all he is. Um, and then on top of that, um, the connection that I think was made on that MVP, not just winning the MVP, but doing the speech in English. I think, I just think it was a really, really cool moment. I think it was a cool moment for him. I think it was a cool moment for Atlanta United. I think it was a cool moment for the league. Yeah. I think, I think it was a cool, I don't want to say seminal moment, but a uniquely cool moment in league history yeah. where, where, you know, we bridged you, a lot of gaps. You don't see the stars kind of in that kind of situation. You know? No, you just don't see them. You, and, and, and there's so many, there's this world right now, I can't go down this road, <laughs> but, you know, our country right now is so divided. It's divided on such specific lines, both mm-hmm. racially, demographically, linguistically. Um, and if you were to tell me that a good old southern boy from, give me a suburb of Atlanta, I don't know. Uh, Roswell. Roswell. He's going to fall in love with a, you know, way too cool for school Venezuelan guy. Like, right. No way, man. Yeah. No way. But it's happening. Yeah. And that's beyond soccer, beyond MLS. Like, we need that right now. Yeah. We need that. For sure. For sure. Well, Sebi, I really appreciate you. I'm probably going to make this new podcast. Great. So yeah. I, put I, it out there. No worries. No worries. I, I can't translate your, you know, yes. your emotion, your passion, <laughs> subject enough on paper. So uh, good. Good. I hope I didn't so. cuss too much. No, no. no you're the fine. Podcast cussing, cussing's good. Cussing's yes, encouraged. Exactly. So. <laughs> Thank See you, you later, alligator. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I love that. That was the moment of the press. How did we even talk about that? What a, what a moment. Like, that was so that was great. Beautiful. What a way for him that to cap it. I wonder yeah. if, like, next next year, I can imagine now at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium TIFO. Right. See you later. Like, a monstrous alligator with a Joseph Martinez head. There you go. Yeah. Terminus Legion. I'll give you your next uh, yeah. TIFO. Assignment. There you go. All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming yeah. on the show. And, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see you uh, for the game Saturday. Awesome. Anytime, right. man. Anytime.